everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm Sue Jeffers. This is the Sue Jeffers Show, Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130 and com. Uh, you'd have to live, lift, live under a rock if you didn't know Barbara Bush died. Uh, wow. That funeral was today. They laid her to rest. I've, I, amazing. I mean, what was she? 92 years old. She'd been married to her husband for 73 years. It's wow. I mean, wow. Rest in peace, Barbara Bush. Rest in peace. Okay, let's talk about the courts, because we had some good news that came out of the Minnesota Supreme Court. Uh, the Minnesota Supreme Court ruled against Rebecca Otto. You might remember this case. Uh, State Auditor Rebecca Otto uh, had um, challenged a 2015 law that was put into place by the legislature that limited her office's authority. She challenged this law in saying that that the county officials should not be allowed to bypass the state auditor's office and hire private accountants to conduct their annual reviews. Rebecca Otto said the law was unconstitutional and undermined the core function of her office and the district court judge at the Minnesota Court of Appeals had appeals had previously ruled against Otto. Now the Minnesota Supreme Court came down and they said, guess what, Rebecca Otto? You're wrong. They passed this law in 2015. You, you, they, they are correct. You are wrong. She wasted $250,000 on this lawsuit. That's money that should have gone to, you know, auditing pensions or something across the state. Uh, I was really disgusted with the Minnesota Supreme Court because in this lawsuit they could have crushed the the they could have they could have done something to help us with the single subject rule violations uh they didn't do that that is so unfortunate i don't think we can count on the supreme court for any help in that area as well um but you know what if the counties want to go out and and hire someone to audit their books a private accountant to uh conduct their annual financial reviews good i hope they do it's cheaper than what rebecca auto charged it's faster it's more efficient and this is probably one of the few times that i will say hey ramsey county um becker county and wright county i think those were the three counties um thank you Thank you for fighting back. Uh, and it's also weird, too, because the court is mostly Democrats. Um, the the um, counties are mostly Democrats. Maybe not Wright County. I don't know about Becker. Um, certainly Ramsey County. Uh, and they were willing to take on, uh, take on the auditor. So uh, that's all good news. Very disappointing, though, that the Minnesota Supreme Court did not crack down on the single subject rule violations that we see over and over and over again. And, in fact, when we talk about uh, a little bit later on in the show we're going to talk about the ridiculous spending and borrowing uh that the minnesota house and the minnesota senate well they want to increase spending and borrowing by a billion dollars this year a billion dollars that's absolutely ridiculous and just this past week we had six omnibus bills six garbage bills omnibus bills that are under consideration everything from ag to public safety to education transportation 
Republican uh, state government and they throw all this crap in these giant bills. But because there's one thing in there that somebody wants, everybody votes for these horrible bills. And we should be passing these one subject at a time, one issue at a time, and A, get people on record uh, for how they voted on some of this ridiculous stuff, rein in some of the spending and borrowing, but probably most importantly, uh, follow the Minnesota Constitution. What a concept. Uh, the court also ruled this week that Hennepin County illegally kept information private. So Hennepin County violated state open record laws by failing to comply promptly with the request for information on the sheriff's use of biometric technology. This is a big deal. I told you about Tony Webster. Um, you should follow his blog, follow him on Twitter. Um, he can be a little aggravating sometimes, uh, a little pompous sometimes. He does love his dog very, very much. Uh, but he does tremendous work, tremendous work on holding governments accountable. I swear he's suing someone or, or filing freedom of information requests uh, every single day of the week. And I thank him for every one that he files because we need more people like like Tony out there. But the Minnesota Supreme Court, well, and, and by the way, this Tony Webster, he requested this information in August of 2015. He filed um, a, a, a freedom of information requ- request at Rich Stanick's office, Sheriff Stanick's office, for the use of high-tech tracking methods to identify faces, irises, and fingerprints. Sheriff Stanick, you gotta tell us what you're doing with this kind of stuff. And Tony Webster was the one who started uh, exposing Kingfisher, Hennepin County and Minneapolis using Kingfisher. Um, and, and this stuff is supposed to be public information. And I'm really thankful that Tony Webster sued Sheriff Stanick and Hennepin County and the sheriff's office and everyone and said, you know what? Um, the, there are rules in place. You guys are supposed to follow these rules. The county's procedures for responding to these records requests through the Minnesota Government Data Practice Acts. This is really, really, really an important, uh, um, important thing. Unfortunately, the court decided, declined to decide the question of whether government agencies can refuse data requests on the grounds that they are too burdensome burdensome in today's technology with today's technology in our world there is absolutely no excuse not to be able to come up with these data requests a lot of times and i'm not looking at you sheriff stanick but okay i kind of am um you know what they're they're burdensome when you make them burdens burdensome they don't have to be this difficult. The seven justices agreed that the previous court hearings and documents revealed substantial evidence of the county's missteps and failures in responding to Webster's request at every juncture. No excuse for that. None, none, none. The most disgusting news I heard all week was Governor Dayton appointed his fifth of seven U.S. Supreme Court, Minnesota Supreme Court justices. Paul Thiessen is the new associate justice for the Minnesota Supreme Court. This is so ridiculous. Uh, John Gilmore's filling in for me next week. He tweeted out translation. As a regressive leftist, I'll continue to weaponize the law and apply it partially and with bias. I hope John Gilmore will talk a little more about that next week. Roger Chamberlain tweeted out a pure political partisan. Well, 
now be on the high court. Truly stunning. More, uh, their road, uh, I forgot who tweeted this one, the, their road to social justice rather than equal justice just became paved with gold. Now that uh, Paul Thiessen is a new associate justice for the Supreme Court. This is a reminder, folks. You never give up your right to vote for judges. Why? Because Paul Thiessen will have to stand for election. He'll have to stand for election. And that'll be the time to take him out. Uh, We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I want to say a little bit about the United States Supreme Court. Uh, We're anxiously waiting for our ruling to come down. Uh, I'll tell you more about that. And I have a couple of thoughts about Neil Gorsuch. And uh, he just finished his first year on the Supreme Court. Uh, he heard 60 cases. He wrote three U.S. Supreme Court opinions. He wrote one this past week that made a lot of conservatives angry. We'll talk about it when we come back. Stay tuned. Sue Jeffers, Twin Cities News Talk AM 1130 and Thank you so much for tuning in. Really, really appreciate you listening on this beautiful day. Uh, I just want to talk just a little bit about the United States Supreme Court. Uh, I had some of this on uh, my list of things to talk about last week. Well, of course, I stayed home because there was too much snow. Thank you, Stan. You're a rock star for playing a replay of my show. Hope everyone enjoyed it. (laughs) Um, But I'm here this week, next week. Um... John Gilmore will be filling in for me. I have a family function, and uh, those of you who know me, family first. Sorry, they they win. John Gilmore has plenty to talk about, though, so I have absolutely no doubt that uh, that he will give you plenty of interesting things to hear about. Uh, last week, not last week, the week before, Neil Gorsuch's first year had he's completed his first year on the U.S. Supreme Court. He wrote three uh, Supreme Court opinions. He heard 60 cases and he fixed the shrimp cocktail sauce on the meatball subs in the lunchroom. Pretty, pretty big year. Uh, and it is a big year. And when I started out telling you about our case, our case, which started all the way back in 2010. Uh, and remember, we lost at the Minnesota level. We lost at the Eighth Circuit level in St. Louis. And then thankfully, um, well, Eric Cardall worked super hard. Uh, thanks to Minnesota Voters Alliance, who uh, kept fighting, fighting, fighting. And finally, Pacific Legal said, whoa, 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 you guys have a great First Amendment case. We're willing to uh, submit it to the Supreme Court. So every year, the Supreme Court gets some 80, 75, 80 thousand cases submitted to them to be considered to be heard um they accept somewhere between 70 and 80 every year uh ours was one of them and this was a great first amendment case and what makes me so angry about this case is we had national media beating our door down um they whether it was reuters or bloomberg or um cnn fox news any i don't care they were all all beating our door down. Um, Andy Selick, um, the lead plaintiff, was on uh, on every 
every national station out there. And here in Minnesota, ho-hum, yawn, run whatever the AP generally submitted. Every single one of the Minnesota media had our addresses, had our phone numbers, had our contact information. They could have called us up. It is amazing that a case from Minnesota makes it all the way in front of the United States Supreme Court, and our local media couldn't be bothered to trouble you about it at all. And what I want to tell you is is this started because Joe Mansky targeted us. He targeted us. And in this case, he happened to target conservatives. Uh, but it could have just, and in, uh, people who were wearing a Tea Party t-shirt, people who were wearing a Don't Tread on Me t-shirt, people who were wearing a Please ID Me for photo ID, uh, those were the people that he targeted. And it wasn't just Ramsey County and Joe Mansky. It was Hennepin County. It was Mark Ritchie in the entire state of Minnesota. But in particular, it started in Ramsey County because Colin Wilkinson and myself are election judges. Uh, they pulled this obscure law that's been on the books forever. They never had a problem with it. You know why? Because they never used it to target anyone until they decided to target us. And that's what's so crazy about this. Um, when Pacific Legal got our case before the United States Supreme Court, they we had all kinds of people jump on board. Cato, Cato, libertarian-leaning organization, jumped on board with us. ACLU. As far liberal left as you can get, the ACLU. Uh, I don't. Do they even fight for civil rights anymore? I don't know what they fight for anymore. Anyways, um, they jumped on board with us. Uh, other the Her- Heritage Foundation, other organizations jumped on board with us, and they said, "Wait a minute, you don't get to pick and choose. You don't get to have this overly broad law on the books that says if you're wearing something with a recognizable political view." That's the exact quote, recognizable political view. An election judge can turn can turn you away from voting and and possibly civilly or criminally prosecute you. It's absolutely ridiculous to give government that kind of power. And of the 20 some thousand election judges here in the state of Minnesota, why, 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 what you would get one objective in one area of the state and another objective in the other area of the state. I've told you about our oral arguments. I told you about our case. I told you about how a person in eight other states have a similar broad law like Minnesota does. In Colorado, they had a guy wearing an MIT sweatshirt who was turned away because the election judge thought it stood for Mitt Romney. You had another um, election judge that turned away a woman in Houston, Texas, for wearing a Alaska T-shirt, you know, a souvenir T-shirt from Alaska, because they thought it was in support of Sarah Palin. You had a woman in Arkansas turned away for wearing a shirt that said, I miss Bill. Um, they flat out said they could turn people away wearing shirts like Me Too, wearing shirts that say NRA, VFW. And then we even took it one step further and said, well, what about WCCO or NPR? They have a recognizable political view. Should we turn people away wearing shirts like that? Uh, so anyway, we're waiting for this case to for the for the opinion to come down. Our attorney seems to think it's going to come down soon. We're hoping maybe even next Friday. Otherwise, they usually issue their rulings on Monday. So we've been really excited about this. We feel real good about it. Um, 
Neil, I got, when I was in the courtroom, Neil Gorsuch, I had a straight view of him. My, there was nobody in my way. I could look right at him. And so I found it interesting to read the article about his first year, though. He was the 113th justice, uh, Donald Trump's pick. One of the reasons that I voted for Donald Trump, besides the fact I was a never Hillary, never ever Hillary, was because I knew Donald Trump would get to pick um, the 113th Justice of the United States Supreme Court, and he picked Neil Gorsuch, and I think he was a, a great pick, and he's had uh, some some good rulings. One that came down this week made a lot of people mad. Uh, I don't think you can assume that he's going to be a Justice Scalia. I think he's going to be his his own guy. He's already asking the third most questions in oral argument. Um, he does, He's not the guy who asks the first argument, but he's actually made people laugh in the courtroom 11 times. That's never a good thing when your justice is making people laugh in the in the courtroom. And I guess because he's the junior justice, he gets to answer the door and take lunch orders, which I think is pretty, pretty funny. So he had a ruling this week that's got government or that has conservatives saying, whoa, 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 whoa. Gorsuch sided with the liberal justices affirming a decision by the ninth circuit court ninth circuit they're most overturned i still don't know why we haven't done something to to reform uh the judicial courts because talk about out of control uh and like i said the ninth circuit is overturned more than any other circuit circuit uh court in the entire nation not to mention it's huge um uh, we do need some we do need some judicial reform, definitely. Um, but Gorsuch voted with the liberal justices, um, siding with a federal immigration law that subjected immigrants to deportation if they are convicted of a crime of violence. And Gorsuch said that the law was too vague and people were really, really disappointed by this. I think this is one of those cases where you actually have to read the case. And I, I know a couple months back, well, probably longer than that, because it was before I went to Washington, D.C. for our oral arguments. But this is a case about a legal permanent resident. And what Gorsuch said is the the legal permanent resident should have had access to and protection by the courts. Um, this guy robbed a house and there were some questions about if this was a crime of violence or not. Yes, it troubles me that Gorsuch cited uh, 5-4, a 5-4 ruling. We're going to see a lot of 5-4 rulings. Um, I think we heard Kennedy's thinking of stepping down this summer that'll be interesting another pick for donald trump uh it'll be interesting to see who he said any anyway this ruling was a 5-4 ruling written by justice elena kagan uh joined by ruth uh ruth bader ginsburg stephen breyer and soda uh, sonia soda mayor um it was a very uh, narrow part that Neil Gorsuch uh, joined with him with the liberal judges, but the bottom line is he was the tie-breaking fifth vote, and that is troublesome. But the the ruling of the law that they were addressing, bottom line, too vague. Uh, after I read more in detail about it, I was actually um, pretty happy, pretty happy with uh, the way, pretty happy with the way he did it. So yeah, I'm gonna 
I'm not I'm not willing to throw in my my hat on that and I will definitely keep you posted on what's uh, on what's happening with our Supreme Court case and I will definitely keep you posted as to who's going to run against Paul Thiessen. I am horrified that such a political hack, a partisan politician that Dayton and I'm not surprised, I'm just mad that you know, Governor Dayton gets to appoint whoever he wants to to the Supreme Court, and he picked Paul Thiessen. I think he picked him. Uh, remember, Thiessen was in the House, and he was running for governor, and he. I think they said, if you get out of the governor's race, we'll appoint you to the justice for the Supreme Court. I don't know how we'd ever find that dirt, but I'm pretty sure it was. Uh, well, anyways, Paul Thiessen's a happy man. I'm not, so... We'll do everything we can to make sure we get rid of that justice very, very quickly. Okay, um, I, I want to talk about what's going on uh, in the 2018 elections. Uh, we saw a lot of endorsements today. Jason Lewis was endorsed. Uh, congratulations, Jason. Uh, Greg Ryan in CD4 was endorsed. Congratulations, Greg Ryan. Betty McCollum. Betty McCollum is still out there trying to impeach Trump. Hey, CD4, is that the f- things you guys want addressed uh, by your congressperson? Really? Really? Yeah. Uh, I'm going to do everything I can to help Greg Ryan get elected in that one. Uh, Hagedorn, the, um, Carla Nelson jumped into that race real late. She's the, the senator out of Rochester. I don't know why she jumped in that race, but she did. And Hagedorn just crushed it. He got 76% of the vote on the first ballot and what i thought was especially interesting on that is hagedorn was introduced by newly elected representative jeremy munson jeremy munson um he's the guy who ran a special he ran a special election uh jake dusenberg was one of the people who was behind getting uh jeremy munson elected but this was a special election um in in the middle of winter when it was freezing cold by the way and kurt doubt the scumbag that he is um jeremy munson was endorsed by the republicans in that area and kurt doubt wanted some other guy to jump in the race and the tool the uh the tool was listening to um Kurt Doubt and said, Oh yeah, yeah, I'll challenge him in a primary. Um, but this was it was such a waste of time, such a waste of effort. You made such a horrible mistake, Kurt Doubt. Let the people in that district decide what they're going to do. Uh Jeremy Munson basically ran against the entire Republican establishment and won. Uh and thanks to Jeremy Munson for getting up and and nominating Jim Hagedorn. Uh and congratulations to uh, to Hagedorn because that's uh, that's uh, great news. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I want to talk more about uh, Minnesota, more about the 2018 elections, more about um, how exciting the 2018 elections are going to be here and how we have a an opportunity to flip a whole lot of Democrat seats to become Republican seats, especially at the congressional level and I think at the U.S. Senate level as well. Now, on the on the state level, every constitutional office is up. So governor um, and the lieutenant governor, which is together, of course, and the auditor and the attorney general. Oh, Doug Wardlow gave a great speech last week. I'll tell you about that one, too. Uh, he's running for attorney general. 
Make sure you know. Make sure you know his name. Make sure you do something to help him get get elected as well. Um, but I think there are a lot of these constitutional races that we can win. The Minnesota Senate is not up for election this time, but the Minnesota House is. I think we'll lose a couple of those seats. Um, well, a because Kurt Doug does such a crappy job of running it over there. I mean, when when you think that 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 we're supposed to be happy that Dayton taxes the snot out of us. We're sit, we're overtaxed, so we're sitting on on a three hundred and twenty nine million dollar surplus. The rainy day fund has two billion dollars in it, and Kurt Doubt must think government isn't big enough already because he's decided that yeah, we should grow government by another billion dollars uh, with a uh, huge um, tax. He wants to continue to tax the snot out of people. He wants to continue to spend like crazy. And he wants to continue to borrow like crazy. And the idea that we should grow Minnesota government another billion dollars is why we'll lose some of those Republican House seats in November. Lots more coming. Stay tuned. Sue Jeffers, Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130 and com. In the morning and the light is virtual here. Good Saturday afternoon, everyone. How you doing? Okay, it has been an exciting day. What's going on? Uh, all the endorsing conventions. Last weekend, there were a bunch. Um, hmm, who got endorsed last weekend? I guess it was mostly Democrats. Um, but Eric Paulson got endorsed. Tom Emmer got endorsed. Um, did Dave Hughes get endorsed? Well, if he didn't yet, he will soon. Um those are all congressional seats that I think we're going to for sure win, hands down, for sure win. Um, at these endorsing conventions for the congressional district, Minnesota has eight congressional districts. I mentioned um, uh, Jim Hagedorn was endorsed in the first district. Jason Lewis was endorsed in the second district. Eric Paulson in the third. Greg Ryan in the fourth. Um have they had an endorsing convention for the 5th? That might be next weekend. Um, I know the 8th is next weekend, too. Tom Emmer was endorsed unanimously um, in the 6th. And Dave Hughes, who was just on the show a couple weeks ago, um, in, in the 7th. Um, and what's so exciting about this is that um, oh, Planned Parenthood is going to spend $30 million on the 2018 election. They put out a graphic today that said of the top 10 races that they were going to, $30 million they're going to spend. $30 million. They said one of the top 10 opportunities, um, they listed 10 names. Minnesota was four of them. Minnesota was four of them. They were going to focus on CD1, CD2, CD3, and CD8. Um, that's just unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. Uh, Minnesota... You're hearing a lot of things on the national wave that there's this big blue wave coming, that Democrats are going to come in and they're just going to kill all the Republicans in the November 2018 elections. And it's it's interesting to, first of all, it happens a lot 
during a mid-year, a midterm election like this now, the president in power loses some seats. I still think the Republicans will hold the majority in the House in D.C. I still think they'll hold the majority in the Senate. I believe Minnesota is ripe for the picking. And we hear over and over and over how Minnesota is the best chance for Republicans in 2018 because four of the nation's most competitive House races are in Minnesota. Both Senate seats are on the ballot and Tim Pawlenty jumped into the governor's race running for governor. And a lot of the pundits seem to think that Minnesota offers a clear look at how voting patterns in rural and suburban Midwestern areas are changing and how just two years after Donald Trump nearly became the first Republican presidential candidate to win in Minnesota since 1972, uh, that things are turning. I disagree. I disagree that that. Uh, things are turning. I think Minnesota is ripe for the picking. I think Republicans are going to do well. I think we are going to win four. I'll even go so far as to say possibly five congressional seats. I think our candidates are great. I think they're going to fight hard. And I think the people in Minnesota um, are just are just ready for something different. I think they're really frustrated with Democrats. Just today, you saw Chuck Schumer come out and start talking about pot. And it's interesting when Democrats find states' rights. Well, they they all of a sudden support states' rights on some things. Um, so federalism would work for pot, but it doesn't work for abortion, or it doesn't work for guns, or it doesn't work for health care, or it doesn't work for minimum wage. And, and you talk about the importance of states being laboratories of democracy. You talk about states' rights. You talk about what's important. But then all of a sudden you've got this super powerful federal government that comes down and and regulates abortion and gay marriage and health care and guns and minimum wage and education and all of this other kind of stuff. And I think people are waking up. I think people are tired of turning on CNN and CNN's asking the question, is our president morally fit to serve? And they're asking a porn star. What does she think about that? I think people are sick of looking at education and finding out that their children know more about gender fluidity than Auschwitz. I mean, think about that. Um, I think guns are waking people up. They know that the world without guns is a fantasy world. I think they're, I, I think people are waking up because they see two guys get kicked out of a Starbucks and everybody goes crazy freaking out. But two cops get assassinated while they're having lunch and, and people just don't even had an eye and it it it's just um i don't know ken martin said ken martin the chair of the uh democrat party here in minnesota said minnesota we are truly the epicenter of the 2018 elections which is both exciting and terrifying at the same time the terrifying part for the democrats is that minnesota appears to be in an, an anomaly right now republicans in other states are at risk of being dragged down by an unpopular president i got news for you a lot of people think are still okay with with donald trump and they still don't like hillary um I think we're going to see some interesting things happen in November. I think Minnesota is going to be uh, just a really interesting place to be. The only part I don't like is all the commercials we're going to have to have. Yeah, lots and lots and lots and lots of commercials. Um, money. Money has just been unbelievable. Amy Klobuchar 
Two term. That's enough, Amy Klobuchar. Two terms. I'm done with you. I want you to go away now. Amy Klobuchar raised $1.23 million. She has $6 million on hand. I don't care. I'm voting for Jim Jim Newberger. I'm going to do everything I can to help him win. Tina Smith, she was no slacker either. She raised $1.84 million from January through March. That's a lot of money. Uh, her Republican rival, main rival, I guess, uh, State Senator Karen Housley raised five. Five hundred and fourteen thousand uh, sitting on five hundred thousand dollars in the back. Oh, Tina Smith. Tina Smith has got to go. That was another one. Mark Dayton appointed Tina Smith. Uh, she announced this past week she's going to continue to host the hot dish contest. Oh, thank goodness. Oh, and she wrote a stern letter about, I don't know, something or other. So she's on, she's Al Franken part two. Um, she's going to keep going with the hot dish contest and she's going to continue to write letters like Al Franken did. I'm a little disgusted with some of the congressional district. Uh, CD3 took a vote not to ask the legislature to follow the Constitution. (laughs) What? Uh, CD6, shame on you, executive committee people, for not holding a a straw poll. I saw a straw poll out of where? CD1. Uh, Jeff Johnson won. I saw another poll out of CD2. Jeff Johnson won. Um, I think CD8 is going to be super interesting. Their endorsement convention for the Democrats last week ended with no endorsement, which just bodes so well for Stauber up there. Um, I think Stauber's endorsing convention is next week. So um, we're glad Nolan retired. We're glad there's a lot of internal Democrat bickering going on up there. Um, and Jeff Johnson, by the way, raised, um, well, how much did he raise? I don't remember how much he raised. 100000 or something like that. Don't be shocked that Tim Pawlenty raised a million dollars. You guys, I told you this. Tim Pawlenty told you this. He wasn't even going to get in the race unless a bunch of his rich friends ponied up a million dollars. So you knew his rich friends were going to pony up a million dollars. You knew a few people who wanted him, Tim Pawlenty, to give them a job would pony up a little bit more. So, yep, Tim Pawlenty has his million dollars in the bank. He is still running around the state of Minnesota trying to tell us that he's a conservative he isn't he never was um all right stan's yelling at me i'll take a break now we'll get to phone calls if you want to weigh in 651-989-5855 on any of the races that are coming up uh or if you think the republicans are going to win or the democrats are going to win 651-989-5855 651-989-5855 the one thing we can agree on this election season is going to be exciting. Stay tuned. Sue Jeffers, Twin Cities News Talk AM 1130 and TwinCitiesNewsTalk.com. Good Saturday afternoon, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in. Really appreciate you listening. I think Minnesota's ripe for the picking, and I think this upcoming election, you're going to see more Republicans elected. I think... 
uh, except for in the House, because Kurt Dowd has screwed that up. But I think especially at the congressional level, I think people are looking at what's going on. They no longer recognize the Democrat Party. I think they they see a, 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 a threat to their way of life, to common sense, to fiscal responsibility, to the role of government. And I think they are starting to ask, what is the role that the state should play in our lives? Do they want a party like the Democrats who wants to micromanage every single aspect of your life? Or do they or do they want uh, freedom? Do they want to be able to live their lives without government in interfering in every single aspect? I think they see stories like the Minneapolis public schools now allow the children to have preferred names and gender in their student database. I think they're... Uh, they, they get angry when they see the Minnesota Immigrant Rights Action Committee hold a third press conference at um, at Minneapolis City Hall and demand demand that they that the city of Minneapolis implement a municipal ID card for illegal aliens. I think people are looking at the AFL CIO and not understanding why they're pushing this ridiculously outrage high minimum wage increase without a tip credit, but that that government is interfering into the labor market so extensively. I think they hear uh, I think the people in Minnesota hear Keith Ellison say women are dying because Democrats are losing elections. And they say, you know what, Keith Ellison, you are just nuts. You are just out there. And and we've had enough of you, too. And I think I think they're tired of Governor Dayton, who should never have been governor, should. I mean, it's just shocking. A man unfit to be in office. Look right at Governor Dayton lies to the American people on a regular basis and gets away with it. They throw one softball interview after another for him. They cover from him by the pictures they take, by the questions that they ask, by the by the questions that they don't ask. It's ridiculous. Um the Minnesota Department of Revenue came out and released data today that that his own administration, Dayton, lied. He lied. The governor's uh, 2018 tax bill priorities are going to hurt low-income people. They're going to hurt middle-class people. His tax bill is 100 pages long. It, it's, it gives tax increases on all Minnesotans, especially low-income Minnesotans, especially those making less than $32,000 a year. Uh, it's $1.4 billion in tax increases, and we've been taxing had the snot taxed out of us for so long, I can just hardly stand it. And then when you look at the issues that the Democrats are talking about, they're talking about free stuff. They're talking about tax increases. They're talking about universal health care. They're talking about women. They're talking about guns. They're talking about amnesty. They're talking about driver's license for illegal aliens and minimum wage and renewable energy and transit and more big government and micromanaging every single aspect of your life from birth to death. What is the role that you want government to play in your life? Who should be making those decisions? Us or some bureaucrat or politician? This is an important election, people. Pay attention and heads up. Whew. I got a little riled up there, so maybe it's time to take a few phone calls. Kevin, you have been waiting so patiently. You're up first. Hi, Kevin. Welcome to the show. Thanks for taking my call, Sue. Uh, Dowd should be replaced the speaker. He, he's just not fit to be there. Totally. Totally. Um, Throw his sorry butt out. You want suggestions? I got a suggestion. How about Sarah Anderson? Yeah. I mean, yeah. You I don't care. I'd, like that. I'd take almost anybody uh, on, at this point. On, on Palenti, Sue, um, 
I still would rather have him than have another Democrat be elected. Oh, Kevin. Well, I know, I know what you're going to say, but... He is a Democrat. Cannot, he votes like cannot, a Democrat. He leads like a Democrat. You know, well, we cannot have afford to have another yep. Dayton in there. I hear you. I hear you. I hear you. I'm happy I'm not quite to that point yet. Um, I'll tell you, last time, when in 2006, when I ran against Tim Pawlenty, um, I voted for myself. I lost the primary. Like, you know, he crushed me like a bug. But and had to spend three hundred and fifty thousand dollars doing it. So I don't care that he has a million dollars. He's not fiscally responsible with his own campaign, let alone let alone with with our tax dollars or fees, as he likes to call them. Um, but uh, I didn't go out and tell everyone to vote for me. But you know what? I wrote my own name in there. Got a question for you? Yeah. I, I had the I, I had the chance to go to Hastings to pay a fine. Uh, <laughs> rolling through a stop sign. But these people can't afford these fines. A $75 surcharge? Oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah. Who's doing this to us? Is this the Republicans and the Democrats? They have to They have to repeal these. They have to cut these by 75% or more, Sue. That's, that's not right. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? You know what? I saw, I saw what? a woman that couldn't afford it, Sue. And she has said, "Well, I can't pay that kind of money right now. Can I? Can I do it and pay two or three over a you know two or three weeks, you know, or four weeks?" Did they say they yes? Gouging the hell out of us. I know, I know. That's so ridiculous. And you know what, Tony? You know what, Mike Albright? What is Albright's? Tony Albright. He's um, making a. a um, in, in one of the HHS bills, he wants to increase social workers licensing fees up to by $75, an increase of $75. Hell no. Do you know who has to pay that? Either the taxpayers of the counties, if they're the ones picking up the tab, or in the case of my daughter who works for a private company, she has to pick up that tab and she already, she doesn't make nearly enough money as it is. Why would they increase licensing fees? I don't care if it's tickets. I don't care if it's fees. I don't care if it's taxes. I don't care if it's registrations. Uh, we are overtaxed in every single aspect of our life in Minnesota, and it's got to change. And it's not just you know they, Democrats. You know what they call this? What? Government greed. Yes. <sighs> so right, sick of keep it. Up the good work, Thanks, Kevin. Appreciate your comments. Uh, Eric, you're up next. Hey, Eric, what do you think? So. Yeah. I want to ask you, um, use the term gun grabbers. Yep, gun grabbers. And no one's going to come in, uh, to your house and grab your gun. So Liar. That's kind of a disingenuous, isn't it? Nope, absolutely not. You've already seen it happen in California. You've already seen it happen in Illinois. You've already seen it happen in uh, wherever Montgomery is, someplace out, out east. And you know what? You're seeing it right now, Eric where they're using it to expand under the guise of mental health. They're using it to expand uh, government power over people without even having a hearing. Well, without, well, and and well, it's all arbitrary. Like, like the all guy in arbitrary. Florida. So, so, so you want some crazy like the guy in Florida to have a gun, right? You know what? Are any law that we put in, some crazy guy is going to use that gun anyway. Because guess what, Eric? I got news for you. The crazy people and the criminals, they don't pay attention to our laws. Or have you missed that part of it? But you're, but you're, you're talking about laws. And no one's, yeah. no one's out there proposing this. They have. I just gave you three examples. I gave you another example right here in Minnesota where under the guise of mental health, there's, there's they're nothing, trying to I take... I don't hear anything in Washington where people are, like, putting that out well, there. Well, then, Eric... You're not going to come to your Eric, house and get your gun. Eric, you just had a former 
United United States Supreme Court justice say that the Second Amendment should be overturned. You had uh, DNC officials say the Second Amendment should be overturned. Don't tell me they aren't no coming for their guns, because there are. They're not going to come to your house and take your gun. And you know what? You're lucky, Eric, that I'm willing to fight for our Second Amendment, because I will protect your right to have a gun, too. But thanks. Appreciate it. Eric, people like Eric drive me crazy. Thanks for putting them on, though, Stan. I appreciate that. I I, I really, really do. Because it's important that we have those conversations. And it's important that we don't let people like Eric get away with it. Because, Eric, you're wrong. You have seen the slippery slope of government uh, for decades, or you haven't been paying attention. You just haven't been paying attention. You haven't been paying attention to what people are saying, what they're calling for, what the legislation they've introduced uh, in. Erin Murphy, Erin Murphy's running for governor. She's put in some horrible anti-gun legislation. These are gun grabbers. And, and I cannot stress enough, the Second Amendment is not about hunting, people. It's not about hunting. It's about freedom. It's about fighting against a tyrannical government. And they never it's, took our booze ever, did they? Yeah, they never country. took our booze. No. <laughs> yeah, Leave my booze alone. No. I'd be making it in my basement, definitely. I'd be making bullets in my basement, and I'm not giving up my guns. But the idea that there's a city in Illinois that's fining people $1,000 a day, that's just just ridiculous. All right, I'm done. I'm sorry I will not be here next week. John Gilmore will, will fill in with his... Very capable shoes. Don't forget to show up to the gun rally at the Minnesota Capitol noon next week. Be there. Uh, Stan, what's on your show today? Anything good? Uh, we got pro angler Tom Keenan on with the walleye opener. Hopefully uh, the ice will be off the lake. So hope the ice is off the lake. So, so we're so. starting our weekend pro series. We're going to have a pro angler on each week leading up to the walleye opener. Oh, here. and Stan is the biggest fisherman ever, but at least the snow's gone. Okay, everyone, have a great week. I'll see you in two weeks. Sue Jeffers, Twin Cities News Talk AM 1130 and TwinCitiesNewsTalk.com.